Well, hey, let me just first off say, how awesome was yesterday, yeah? Yesterday night, for those of you guys that were here, we had our fall festival here, and it was a great time. And I just want to celebrate you guys for just a second. I think we need to celebrate the wins uh, as a community. And so I just want to appreciate you guys, first of all, for showing up. Number two, for uh, bringing people with you. Um, and number three, for just being engaging and connecting with people right here in our community. I mean, it was just like, I'm like, there's so many people around here I just don't know. And that's, uh, that's really a cool thing. And so I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But just wanted to, why don't you just give yourselves a hand for that? Because uh, really cool, that's what we're about. Um, and it reminds me every time we, like, have a fun event like that together, like, I, I really enjoy you guys. I like spending time with y'all. So in, in case I haven't told you in a while, I just want to remind you of that. Well, hey, we are right now, we just for the first year this year uh, started Little League with Aiden. Uh, we graduated right from T-ball because he broke his finger into uh, Coach Pitch. And uh, it just so happened to work out that he got drafted by Rob. Uh, so Rob was our coach this year, and I learned a lot about Little League, honestly. And the main thing I learned about Little League is I do not have enough patience to coach Little League. That's the main thing that I learned. And I'm just impressed. And we actually have two of our coaches over here today. And I just look at these guys, and I just I, I want to appreciate you guys because uh, it's not easy with little kids to get them even to pay attention to the game of baseball, let alone, like, coordinating, like, this effort. And, and they did a really good job of it. Uh, but there was some good moments along the way, some good teaching moments. And uh, but this past week was our last game, and Rob's in the dug. I'm, like, I'm listening to him coach. And... Uh, it's, it's funny because, like, just getting them to, like, all look the right direction is, like, the, half the battle. If we could all look there, we might be able to make a play. And one of the things that the lines that Rob used this week that I liked uh, was he just yelled out to the guys. And he goes, hey, boys, are you baseball ready out there? And uh, he already knew the answer to that question. Because nobody was baseball ready out there, and nobody's looking where they need to be looking. Everybody has different, uh, different things going on. And I just wanted to, just for a moment, show you guys some of the examples of not being baseball ready that we've experienced all season long. So uh, here's the first one, equipment failure. It happens all the time, right? Like, we're getting, where's my position, coach? I get out there, and we're starting the game, and, oh, no, my shoes aren't tied. So uh, lots of equipment failures in Little League Baseball. Uh, here's the other one that's kind of common. Um, the way, it just happens, you know. And it happens to us, too. We're just more subtle about it. It's like, you know, okay, uh, I'm good. You know, but, like, they just go for it, which I appreciate. And so uh, this, is a, this is Aiden's go-to. Like, every time I look out on him on the field, he is just eating his glove. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, chewing away. It's like a nervous habit or something. I don't know. Mm, leather. You know, he's just enjoying that glove. And I'm like, buddy, like, you know, get your glove down. Get ready. Uh, this is a very common one, too. The daydreamer. You know, like, we're, the game is over here. And we're like, like there's, but there's cool stuff going on, like, over here and over here. And uh, so just getting them to look. And this is my all-time favorite, the excavator. <laughs> I mean, how many times, Rob, do you say, get boys, get out of the dirt, get out of the dirt, Coach Chris, boys, get out of the dirt, get out of the dirt. I'm yelling from the sides, get out of the dirt, guys. If we just could stop playing in the dirt, we would be baseball ready. Uh, and then here's what baseball ready It's pretty good. You know, I was like, Aiden, show me baseball ready. So this is his first year. It's pretty good. He's ready to go. He's looking at the batter. So um, baseball ready. I just thought about this, too. Like, can you imagine, like, the pros doing that kind of stuff? 
Like, they're just like, you know, we're in the World Series right now, and you got a guy in the Astros team just like, you know, like, what's going on out there? It looks like there's got some concessions going on. And, yeah, it just doesn't happen, right? And they're probably a little bit more subtle about their wedgie picking and eating their gloves. And they, but you don't see any of them doing the excavate. I mean, can you imagine, like, a shortstop in the major leagues down there like, uh, bro, can you play ball with us? Thank you. Uh, so... Anyway, that's baseball ready, just in case you're wondering, and, uh, and now I, you've taught me something, Rob, so I appreciate that. Um, but today we're talking about being kingdom ready, and this has really been the theme of Matthew 25. Stephen teed it up last week for us. Uh, he's teaching that same message up in Middletown this week in Matthew 25. But really the question is, and the question that, we, that Jesus tees up for us in Matthew 25 is, are you kingdom ready? Are you ready for the coming Kingdom, And so uh, we're going to be back into Matthew 25 uh, today, and really the verse that I feel like was left lingering and, and really echoing around in my mind and heart as we wrapped up last week was this, watch therefore for you neither, you neither know the day nor the hour. And so what Jesus is saying to us here is we don't know, right? We don't know when the kingdom is going to come, and so we've got to always be ready, right? We've always got to be in ready position. I want to talk a little bit about what I think kingdom readiness looks like based on another parable that Jesus uh, shares with us today. But the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the coming kingdom? And if I could just define this for you, really when we think about kingdom readiness, it's this. It's living here and now with forever always in mind. It's living here and now with forever always in mind. Or as Colossians says it, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so our attention, our focus, our heart is directed at Christ, who we've been raised with and, and, and set on heaven. And this kind of living, when we figure out what ready position looks like, it's a game changer. It absolutely changes everything and shifts everything in our lives. And C.S. Lewis, he puts it this way. Uh, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. And so if we want to be effective if we want to be effective in the kingdom, uh, here and now, we've got to have forever in mind. And so let's just talk about a few things here uh, as we look at this parable. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 25, I'll read that parable to you. And this picks up where, Je where, uh, uh, where Jesus leaves off in a another story uh, about the virgins and the bridesmaids and not having oil. And here comes the, 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 uh, the, the groom, and they're not ready. Several of them are not ready. And so... This, he, he, he tells that story and then follows it up with this story, which gives us another aspect of kingdom readiness. And so let me read this to you. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and he dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled his accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing the five talents more saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. 
His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and, and enter the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been entrusted, or you have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at the coming I should have at least received uh, what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. And, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So many things we could talk about in this story. So many things we could talk about. But it really, I just want to raise a few things to the surface here uh, for us. Some observations out of this story that really help us to get a bit of an understanding of what kingdom ready position looks like. And the first thing that kingdom ready people do is they constantly assess what they've been given. They're constantly assessed, assessing what they have been entrusted with so that they can utilize what they've been entrusted with. If you don't know what you have to use and you haven't assessed what God has entrusted you with, you're not going to even begin to be effective with it. And so it, constantly assessing what God has given us. And here what we see, just a couple things right in these first couple verses, Matthew 25, 14, and 15. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. The first thing we see is that God actually entrusts us. I mean, that alone is a compelling thought, right? That the God of the universe, the master of all creation, entrusts you. He entrusts you. He even goes far, a bit further, and he leaves. It says that he, then he goes on uh, away from them at that point. And so he's not saying they're micromanaging them. He's saying, here, I trust you with this. Make the most of it. And then he goes on his own way. And so God entrusts us. And it's a good feeling, isn't it, to be entrusted? And you guys have been entrusted with different things in your life. Um, I remember a time when actually my dad first entrusted me to, uh, to, to the riding lawnmower. And I was so excited about that. I'm like, Dad, trust me. Like, I'm going to be cutting the grass. And it was a good feeling. Uh, little did he know that I'd run the mower into my grandparents' car. Uh, but I did. And uh, the crazy thing is he entrusted, it wasn't his car, I guess. But he entrusted me to cut it again. You know, so, so I, I got entrusted again despite, uh, you know, uh, my insufficiency there. And it's a good feeling. I was so, uh, and, and we've had these feelings of being entrusted with something, right? So how amazing is it that God first entrusts us, and that word is important there. He entrusted his servants with his property. The next thing is that God entrusts each of us with something. It's a little different than the first line. God entrusts us, but also God entrusts each of us with something. Some of you are like, I, I, just, I don't have anything. I don't have really any gifts. I don't have any talents. I don't have, uh, you know, bags of gold like was being offered in this story. I don't really have any resources like that. And so I don't really have anything to offer. But what this tells us is we're all entrusted with something. We all have the opportunities. We all have different opportunities, which is really the third point, which is God entrusts us. God entrusts each of us with something, and God entrusts each of us with something different. You notice that he gives them different amounts, right? And it says according to their ability. 
And so based on his own discretion and based on his own wisdom, he gives everybody something different, and that's by design, right? But I, I don't, you know, it, we don't see it in here, but I just imagine, you know, can you imagine being the, uh, the two-talent guy? And here the five-talent guy is over here, and you're like, he got five bags of gold? Like, why I only get two bags of gold? And then one talent guy, you know, he's just already planning to bury it in the ground, so he's not even in the conversation, you know. But here he is, and you could play this comparison game. But what I've found in my own life is if I'm paying too much attention to what other people have been provided, I'm not fully utilizing what I've been provided. If I'm concerned about what's equitable, I'm not being profitable, right? And that's, we get, we get hung up on this all the time. So we shouldn't get hung up on someone, what someone else has been giving. Each of us has been giving something different. What have you been given? What have you been entrusted with? Romans 12, 6 through 8 says this, we've all been given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And this isn't an exhaustive set of uh, gifts. You might be like, oh, I'm not good at any of those things. What else? You know, is that it? Um, There's more than that on the list. But my my question to you is, have you ever stepped back and honestly assessed, like, the unique things that God has given you? Because he's given us all different skill sets, hasn't he? Some of us are strong at some things, and some of us are weak at those very same things, and that's by design. That's why it's the body of Christ. We need all of the parts playing their part, uh, as, as Paul talks about as well. We all have different skill sets. We have different resources. We have different strengths and capabilities. We have different opportunities. Don't worry about your brother's opportunity. Celebrate their opportunity. Don't be jealous of that because you'll miss the opportunities that God is placing out in front of you. We all have different opportunities. We're all in different life stages, right? And I I can just give you an example of this. We have uh, some young couples that have been a blessing to us because they're in a life stage where they don't yet have kids. And so they come over and they they use that gift set that they have with kids to just pour into our kids. And so this is an example of the advantage of different life stages. Maybe you're in a life stage where you have a lot of experience and now you can look back over your shoulder and be like, hey, I've already learned this one. Let me tell you about how this one goes, right? And so we have the ability to speak some wisdom. So we've all have different life stages. We have different physical uh, capacity. Some of you might go through a time of injury or need, and that's where some of us that might have the ability to move some things around can come and help you, right? We all have different experiences. Your story is different. Don't be, don't be sad about your story. Think about how can my story and my specific experience be a benefit to other people as well. And let me just ask you to do something actually with this this week. Write it down. In all those categories, what skill sets, what resources, what strengths. Because if you don't know, if you haven't honestly assessed the things that you've been entrusted with, you won't even, you'll forget you have them. They'll just be stored away somewhere, right? And you'll be like, no, I have to know what I have and assess what I have. How many things have gotten lost in your basement? And you're just like, you find it later and you're like, wow, I never knew I had that. This tool would have been helpful, you know, all these years or whatever. The same is true with our gifts. So have you been asking the question, two questions, what have I been entrusted with? How am I using what I've been entrusted with? Uh, a few months ago now, uh, Ashley Morrison, uh, who comes to our church, she's a single mom at our church, her son Zion, uh, who we just love, part of our church family. She came to me uh, a couple months ago and was like, Josh, I just really feel like God's calling me uh, out 
in a specific way. Could you give us, and Stephen, I sat down, could you give us some guidance uh, about that and some direction and what do you think? And, and basically her thing was, listen, I feel like as a single mom, I've been so cared for at this church. And you guys have just welcomed me with open arms. And now I feel compelled because I know that there's some unique challenges that go along with single motherhood and some unique things that are faced. I now feel like I want to pour my life based on my unique experience back into the lives of other single moms. And I'm just like, you praise Jesus, that's awesome. That's exactly what you should be doing. Rather than saying, man, I've been dealt a difficult hand. And you could say, I know because I have some kids and it's hard enough with two of us, you know, trying to, to, to get out the door and do these things and, you know, things big and small. And so, but I love that heart that isn't saying like, you know, look at the hand I've been dealt. Rather than saying, I'm going to play that hand. I'm going to use that hand to be profitable for the kingdom, and I'm going to pour my unique experience into the life of someone else. And so the first thing we have to do is assess what we've been entrusted with. The second is this, and it seems simple, right? It seems simple. Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And that's not to sound harsh, but that's exactly what we see here happen in the parable. The guy that doesn't use it, what ends up happening? I'm going to go ahead and take that back. Because you're not utilizing, you're not utilizing the things that I'm giving you. And from an investment standpoint, it totally makes sense, right? I'm going to invest where, I'm going to invest more where there's more return for the kingdom. And so the more return there is for the kingdom, just from an investor standpoint here, right? I'm a finance major. That's, you didn't know that about me. But this is the one, like, that makes sense to me from that perspective to say, like, you know, which, where is it being utilized? Okay, I'm going to put it there uh, because I know that it's going to be profitable for the kingdom. And so this is exactly what we see happen. The guy with five, the guy with two, they utilize what's been entrusted with them. The guy with one is a different story. He buries it in the ground. Like he just digs a hole and, you know, there wasn't like, you know, savings accounts back then. And there wasn't like, you know, you hear today that people like sticking their money in a mattress, you know. And like, you're like, that's a really bad idea. Like what if the house burns down? I don't know. Like that, you know, sticking your money in a mattress is about, and this is the equivalent of sticking his money in a mattress. He just buries it in a hole, you know. And like, I think it's over there somewhere, you know. We'll get it later. And, uh. The master comes back, and he, but here, the thing is, like, it's not, it doesn't seem like a crazy approach. I'll just put it here for safekeeping, because what I'm doing is I'm preserving it, right? You could take that, but I'm just preserving it, because I don't want to lose it, and I don't want to make a mistake with it. And so he, he maybe even thinks he's doing a good thing. He brings it back to him and says, hey, here, look, I preserved it for you. It's right here. But he doesn't get the reaction that he would want. In fact, the master's upset. If, if he wanted him just to bury it, he could have just kept it. He didn't even have to give it to him to do that, right? And so he's upset. And you get the impression here that the master would have been more pleased if he had tried and lost it in the process than he never tried at all. Hey, he, he, he doesn't even make an attempt to utilize it. He says, you buried it in the ground? You didn't even invest it with the bank? You could have just gotten me like a, you know, 2% interest or something, but you didn't even give it, you didn't even give it a shot. Zero return on my investment in you. And those who are kingdom ready, they have figured out how to fully leverage all that they've been entrusted with for God's glory and the good of others. We're figuring that out. We're thinking creatively about, okay, I have this unique gift or I have this unique thing. Now, how can I leverage that to honor God with it? There's this uh, story that I came across. Uh, and if you, 
any of you tennis fans, uh, Arthur Ashe was the guy who won three Grand Slams, and he was the first African-American to be selected to the U.S. Uh, Davis Cup and uh, team. And he helped really change the landscape of the sport of tennis. You know, he's really forging new territory and new ground. And you know how difficult that can be, right, to, to be the person on which kind of change comes with. And so um, one of the things that he said, though, I really like, it's, just, it's really simple. It was kind of a motto for him. He said, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Because you get overwhelmed sometimes thinking about, like, the like result of what's it going to be what's it going to look like and I just don't think I could well hey make it simple where are you at right now start there what do you have right now use that do what you can you can't do everything but you can do something yet we still get stuck sometimes don't we at one at some point or another we're going to get stuck we're going to be hey it's just let me just bury this in the ground right now let me just preserve this rather than jumping out and taking a risk uh, for the kingdom, it's better that I just kind of play it safe here a little bit, right? And we have that in some ways hardwired into us, and it's tough to rewire that. And so it's not really helpful for me to stand up here and say, we'll take a risk. I mean, it is if you're, like, motivated that way. You're like, okay, cool, I'll take a risk. You know, that's great. But I think we have to get to the inherent cause of why we don't take risks, and it usually comes back to some fear, right? Some form of fear or another ends up being operating in opposition to what God would have us do and how we could step out in, with greater boldness. And so, and we see it happen right here. He says, I feared. I feared that you were a hard man. I was afraid of you. I was afraid of what might happen if I didn't do things right. And, and I love the picture in, in 1 John 4, 17 through 18 because I feel like, I'm going to read that to you, but I feel like this helps us attack the root of the problem for us when we're not using the things that God has given us in, in taking risks with those things. Because I really think it's fear. And here's what, uh, what we learn about in 1 John about fear. It says this, God is love. When we, take up, when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room for love, for, uh, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is not one fully formed in love. There's so much that could be said about that, right? There's so much that could be said. But here, this man was afraid of the master, but what love does is it sets us free of that fear. We can live without fear because we live a life that is grounded in love. And here's what you learn about from this verse. Love and fear don't make good roommates. They don't make good roommates. One or the other is going to move out. Either fear is going to move out of your life because you're making more room for the love of God in your life, or fear is going to push out the love of God in your life. And so we have to make a decision about that. Are we going to be more filled with Christ in a way that drives fear out of our lives? The more we get caught up in the love of the Father, the more that his love is made complete in us, mature in us, the more that he drives out fear, and the more freely and fully we can chase divine opportunities that are out in front of us. Because we don't have to be fearful of the end of time if we're pursuing Jesus and his love lives in us. We can freely chase after the things that he would call us to do. 
And I said we all have this challenge, right? And, and honestly, there's been a lot of times lately in my life where I just, and, and this is just kind of, it's commonplace for me now. I just feel like I'm in, a, over my, in over my head on things, right? Like there's so many moments in my life where I'm like, this is just, this is, I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing here, you know? And um, one of those instances has been when we really felt like we were called to write this book. And, and I, I, like, I don't even know how to get started writing it, but I write a lot of messages and it's like, how do I even get started? Like, I feel like there's some things that are important that we want to convey and we want to create this uh, resource for discipleship for our church and whatever happens beyond that. And so we just started kind of starting where we are, you know, and using what we had and, uh, and, and doing what we can. And little by little, we chipped away at this project over the last uh, really three years. And it's become a, a discipleship process here. And, um, but it's, it's been a really cool thing, but it was difficult. And how many times I just played those games, I can't do this. Like, I, I'm, this is not for me. Like, you know, I, I cannot do this. And then you would talk yourself back into it. You'd get after it again, and you'd just trudge away at it. And then I got done, Steve and I, we got done with this book, and we get with the publisher, and they broke this news to us after we finished writing an entire book for two and a half years. They said, hey, I hate to break it to you guys, but um, just imagine you're pushing a rock uphill, and the rock's only about halfway uphill now. I'm like, what are you talking about? We wrote the book. We're done. Like, we're, the rock is at the top of the hill. Like, no, actually, now you got to do all the work to actually get this book into the hands of people that could benefit from it. And I'm like... But that's not like me. Like, I, I'm like, and I'm, I'm bad about this because we had this conversation with the publisher. They're like, we want you to do, like, a podcast. We want, you, we want you to do, like, a blog. And, you know, and I'm just, like, the whole time I'm, like, overwhelmed. And I'm thinking, like, I just can't do the self-promotion thing. Like, that's just, like, I just doesn't. And so I'm telling, I'm, like, confessing this. And he's like, not me. Like, I just can't, you know, like, just post all the time about, like, hey, buy my thing, buy my thing or whatever. And so I'm just, like. I'm being real with him. And the, the publisher said this to me, the guy that, that owns a publishing company. He said, um, he said, Josh, do you, uh, do you believe this is from God? I'm like, well, I sure hope so because I've spent, you know, two and a half years on this thing. I hope it's from God. And, uh, yes, we believe it's from God. That's why we started it. You know, that's why we, that's why we did this thing. And so he, he just replied back to me almost like I could hear myself replying in the same way to somebody. He said, well, we're called to be good stewards of what God has given us. I'm like, well, well, it makes sense in that context, right? Like, if, if I feel like this could be value-adding, like, I should be stepping out and trying to do everything I can to add value to other people. And so God's helping me. What I'm confessing is God's helping me get past fears. And I wish I could say that every time, like, we get past one, the next one's smaller, you know. But it's like it just seems like these challenges get bigger and bigger. But God is good. God is faithful. And, uh, and it's all we can do, right? And I just want to tell you that... Uh, when we add value to other people, it's always worth the risk. It's always worth the risk if we can add value back to people for the glory of God and in the name of Jesus. Which really brings me to the last point. And this is something, this is a message I could preach to myself over and over again. This one line. And I try to do it all the time, but this is one that I perpetually fail at and i got to remind myself. And so even as I put this up there, you're going to be like, yeah, I've heard that a million times. Uh, but... It's not easy to digest. It's not easy to fully live out. And that's this. Leave the results to God. Leave the results to God. How many times I got to tell myself that? Leave the results to God. I don't know if any of you guys else are, like, results-oriented. 
You know, I feel like I'm the most results or like I just am always like, and if the result is good, I'm excited. If it's not so good, you know, so I play this game over and over again. And if you're results oriented, the results can be awesome. They can be super motivating. They can propel you. But if the results are not what you had hoped they would be or could be, they can absolutely paralyze you. And the reason I say that is because I think we have to shift our perspective and stop putting all those results on our own backs. I think we really do have to do what we see here happening in this story, and that's leave the results to God. What if I told you that there was really only one result that mattered? The only result that really matters is each of us hearing the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. What if you just forgot about the rest of it and said, you know what? That's the thing that I care about. That's the thing that I'm going to chase after with all I got. It's just to, to please God with every, in every way that I can, to use the things that he's given me so that he's nodding down, like, well done, good and faithful servant. And one day, standing in his presence, well done, good and faithful servant. Both the servant who made two talents and the one who made five more were given that same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so the only result we should be concerned with is hearing that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And then we can be released to leave the rest to God, which will free us up to be more profitable in our lives as well. And in verse 29, we see that for to everyone who has, uh, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is not the prosperity gospel. We're not just saying like, hey, if you just, you know, use what God has given you, he's just going to just shower you with houses and cars and things. That's not really the message here, right? He will care for your needs and you will see provision continue to be multiplied, no doubt about it. And those of you that have been generous with your resources, you've seen that happen. But he's going to continue to multiply these gifts in us, right? He's going to continue to multiply your leadership. He's going to continue to multiply your generosity. He's going to continue to allow you to be even more profitable for the kingdom. So it's not about what we can gain, but the glory that we can give back to God. And he'll continue to give us an abundance. And we won't be looking around and be like, I'm in, I, I have need. Because God will continue to care for our needs. And I believe that God is most honored when we are doing his business for his purpose and others good. And... When we make God's business our business, he makes his business taking care of us. And you've seen that. You know that in your stories and in your lives. And uh, recently I, I kind of learned this lesson in a, in a kind of an unexpected way. Aiden come home from school and he's sharing all about what he's learned. And he tells me, he says, Dad, I'm a bucket filler. I'm like mean you know I have no idea what the, like are they making him fill buckets at school like I'm just like picture like I have no idea he's like no dad I'm a bucket filler I'm not a bucket dipper I'm like okay tell me about that so he's like bucket fillers are the ones that they all about like just filling other people's buckets doing kind things for their friends and every time they do something for somebody else they're filling that person's bucket and so he came home one day with a little slip that said Aiden was a bucket filler today and described like how he like cared for somebody out on the playground and it was just a really cool thing. I was like I get the concepts now and then a bucket dipper, on the other hand, that's not what you want to be, right? That's, a, that's the person that, like, steals other people's joy and robs other people of things, right? And takes way more than they ever put back into somebody else's life. And that's a bucket dipper. And we use this phrase at our house all the time now when we make different decisions. We're like, hey, are you being a bucket filler or are you being a bucket dipper? And I think it's an important question for us to ask. When we think about the different settings, whether it be your workplace, when you operate in your workplace, do you add more value to that place than you take from that place? 
When you think about the relationships around you, the family and the friends that are around you, would you say you add more value to the people around you, or do you just take from people all the time? You're taking, you're taking from their bucket, but you're never filling anybody else's bucket. When you think about church, when you think about being in this place, is it all about what can I get from the church? What can I take from the church? What can I take while I'm here? Is it about the other, which is how can I fill other people's bucket here? How can I pour back into the community here? How can I invest more here? Are we bucket fillers or are we bucket dippers? And you know, this didn't originate with some kindergarten teachers as clever as they are. Jesus thought of it first and he said to us, all of us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do what, for others what you would have them do to you. And I'm just here to tell you, if you do that, you will be kingdom ready. You will be in kingdom ready position. If you could live out that simple principle, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And when you focus on filling others' buckets, you realize that yours is never empty. And that's the truth. You do that and you will be kingdom ready. Because when you make filling others your business, God makes filling you his business and he will do it. As we close, I just want to celebrate a few ways that you guys have been bucket fillers uh, recently and, uh, and just some of the things that your generosity is going to do and how it makes an impact in this community. I think it's, it's valuable for us to, to celebrate those wins and the things that are happening. Uh, the first thing is sort of a new opportunity that I want to share with you and uh, just ask you to be praying about. Uh, but we, we have kind of set out to have some sort of presence um, with, uh, with young people and specifically the college that the commuter college is just right down the road from us. And so at Sinclair, we've just been showing up with coffee. That's how it started. Like, we're going to fill your bucket by giving you some needed coffee, you know, by filling a cup. And uh, so we went out there. We've really been able to build some great friendships out there. And uh, some specific um, people on their team are some of those friendships that we made. And uh, one of the ladies comes came to us who's one of their enrollment advisors. She said, hey, what do you think about, she's like, because, this is a commuter school, and community is kind of building community is a challenge at a commuter school. You know, it's not the typical uh, college environment. What do you think about helping us build community here? And I'm like, praise Jesus, we're in. You know, but I was trying to send it to the side. Like, oh, we could probably do that. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so she's like, how about where do we do these lunches at school? And uh, what if you guys just came out? You guys, you're all about building community, right? Just come out, teach us, show us how to build community. We want to build community. And uh, so we, we, uh, we get the opportunity to do that. We just started uh, a month ago going out, serving lunch, and giving away some things, and doing trivia, and really just being present, being relational, and filling buckets where we can. And uh, so really, really cool opportunity. And so I just want to tell you that because some of the resources that you provide here that you give to Access Church, you're really giving through Access Church because we have this opportunity to go and bless our community and fill somebody else's bucket with that. And so that's something we're doing. Uh, also, so I just want to celebrate uh, what's happening up at the Middletown campus, and uh, it's starting to, to roll along now, and uh, I just appreciate all that's been given, all the generosity, all the people that have said, hey, we're going to go and be a part of that new campus, and I'll just tell you right now, like, and, and you can ask Rob, like, cool things are happening up there. Uh, new families are coming along and beginning to invest in that community, and so we could have kept all of our resources to ourselves and said, let's just fill this bucket here, but we said, you know what, we want to continue to fill buckets in other places and continue to pour out the love of Jesus uh, in, in a different uh, place, and so I just want to celebrate what's happening with that, and uh, I had a cool conversation with somebody about this um, when it was beginning to happen, and there's a lot of unknowns, and um, 
and, and it was Courtney, and she, she said to me, she said, you know what, I'm sort of the one that's always, like, resistant to change and kind of thinking, like, okay, how is this going to work and all those things. She's like, but the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, like, we love what we have here. How can we not share it? How can we not duplicate it? How can we not replicate it? And so I just want to just appreciate just your guys' heart to do that and fill, fill up a bucket in, in, uh, in Middletown as well as we continue to fill up a bucket here. And then again, I just want to celebrate last night. Uh, you literally filled buckets, and you filled my kids' buckets to the top uh, with all kinds of sugary candy things. So I want to appreciate that, uh, sending them home in that way. But kids just getting candy. I mean, just what a simple way to bless uh, kids in our community. Our parking lot was full. Our coffee space was full. And the truth is, I was like just meeting people all night that I just didn't, I didn't even know who like a lot of these folks were. And people just coming from the community that heard about it, people on Facebook that heard about it, and then just friends and family of people that were invited. And I just love to see how our community responds. And just the hospitality and just so many people just going with a warm handshake and, and reaching out and blessing others in that way. And so I just wanted to share those things to say, let's keep doing that. Let's keep making God's business our business and keep filling buckets because I know that as we do that, we will not be left empty. Let's keep using all that God has given us every day for his glory and for the good of others. That way one day we all get to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me pray. God, thank you for your church. I thank you that I get to be a part of a church like this. I thank you for how you continue just to pour out your blessing on this people. And I just thank you for sacrifices that are being made uh, by people in this room, time and energy and resources that are being poured out, all with the end game, God, of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, all with living in your service and lifting up your mighty name. I pray, God, that your love would continue to spread in this Mason community, in the Middletown community. Uh, I pray that your love would continue to spread on a campus out at Sinclair. Um, and, God, just help us to continue to be just when, when you're asking who's ready to go, God, that we would be quick to raise up a hand and say, I want to serve you, God. I want to use what you have given me. Thank you for entrusting us. We praise you and pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.